Before we jump into today's episode, I want to invite you to a free online workshop that I'm hosting right now. And it's all about how to set up a virtual Bible study and start making disciples in as little as 24 hours, even if you have never done anything like that before. So if you're interested in attending this free workshop, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes or go to www.digitalmissionaryworkshop.com. That's www.digitalmissionaryworkshop.com. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. I'm Travis Albritton, a former rocket scientist turned digital missionary, here to bring you the bite-sized tips and strategies you need to become an effective Christian. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's jump into it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, if I had a nickel for every time I have heard this verse, I could probably retire. Now, to be fair, a lot of those times I was saying that verse. And (laughs) it's kind of become one of those Christian platitudes, like one of those things you just say. And it's almost just become part of the zeitgeist of the Christian culture, right? God has plans for you. God has these great plans to prosper you. So take heart because God's plans are great. And there are certainly other scriptures that talk about that as well, like Romans 8, 28, about how God works out everything for the good of those who love him. So scriptures like this are really encouraging. I mean, who doesn't want God to have awesome plans for them, right? The only problem is that that is not what this verse is really saying. Like, not even close. It is not even close to saying, hey, Joe in Montana, God has plans to prosper you plans to give you hope in a future. So be encouraged. So let's talk about one of the most misunderstood verses in the entire Bible and then understand what it actually means and the takeaways we can pull from it. So first, let's start with some context, okay? So if we go back from Jeremiah 29, 11 to Jeremiah 29, verse 1, we're going to get the context for why we're about to read what we're going to read. And so in verse 1, said, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So at this point in Israel's history, they have been taken captive by the Babylonians. And we kind of gloss over this part, right? These surviving elders, which would imply There are lots of non-surviving elders. Um, And so the Israelites have really gone through a rough time. They were in the promised land. They were living in Jerusalem. The Babylonians came in, conquered them, took them away to a land they'd never been before. And they're just trying to figure out like, okay, what do we do now? And if you fast forward to verse 11, after reading verse one, you might think, oh, well, God's going to like bring them back like real, real soon. After all, he has plans to prosper them, and a plan to prosper the Israelites surely includes Israel, right? Not quite. So let's go ahead and skip down to verse 4 and read verses 4 through 9. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, there being Babylon. Do not decrease. 
Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So God's message to these exiles, these survivors of the Babylonian exile, is to hunker down. Get used to it. You're going to be there for a while. They must accept the consequences of their actions. Because before this, if you read the first 28 chapters of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is pleading with them to return to God, that they had been pursuing idols, both foreign gods and looking to other nations for help and not turning to God for help. They had essentially abandoned God entirely. And God consistently called them back and said, hey, I'm here I want this relationship. I want to be your God. I want to be your king. But you have to meet me halfway. Like you have to do your job. You have to fulfill your part of the covenant. And they weren't doing that. And God warned them and said, hey, if you keep going down this path, the Babylonians are going to come. I'm going to send a foreign army to come in and conquer you so that you will remember me. And they, in their wisdom, decided that, no, that's not the best plan. And God's not going to do that. Surely he won't do that to his chosen people. We're just going to keep going business as usual. And so this passage, this letter written from Jeremiah to the exiles is essentially telling them, hey, you got to accept the consequences of your actions. You need to accept the consequences of the decisions that you and your forefathers have made by living in exile in a foreign country. Like, don't think that this is going to magically change overnight, even if you have a change of heart. Even if you repent, even if you do want this relationship and this covenant again, you have to accept the consequences of your actions. And in verse 10, we see how long they have to do that. In verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 70 years. Imagine screwing up so bad that God has to take you and your family and everyone you know captive as prisoners of war to a foreign country and you have to be there for 70 years before you can go back those are the terms of god's forgiveness and reconciliation man that's tough most of the people going to exile will never see israel again because they will be long gone by the time the 70 years is up so that is the context of jeremiah 29:11 that is what is going on in israel That is what is happening to the people that this particular text is written to, this particular part of Jeremiah. And that is what's going on. So now let's continue reading, again, picking up in verse 10 and reading through verse 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. All right, so this probably sounds more familiar, right? That God has a plan for you to prosper you, not to harm you, 
and that when we call on him and pray to him, he will listen to us. And when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. Now, a little caveat here. When we in Western culture tend to read this verse, we think, for I know the plans I have for you, individual person, plans to prosper you individually and not to harm you individually, plans to give you hope and a future. But remember the context. This is not a letter from Jeremiah to one person. This is to the entire remnant of Israel. So this you is plural, all right? That does change what we take from this verse. This you is not written for an individual. This you is written for a group, for an entire people. And says, when you, an entire people, call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you, the people of Israel. For I know the plans I have for Israel, declares the Lord, plans to prosper Israel and not to harm Israel, plans to give Israel hope and a future. So what does this mean for us? <laughs> if this was written to a people that have been carried into exile and God was telling them, you have to accept the consequences of your actions for the next 70 years, but I have plans for your people, your nation to prosper that nation, that nation that represents me as a nation of priests. What does this mean for us? <laughs> what are our takeaways? Well, the first one is that when we sin against God, our actions have consequences. Just because God loves us, just because we've been saved by the grace of God and through the blood of Jesus does not mean that our actions, when we sin, do not have consequences. They do. And God is going to let us face those consequences because he wants us to not do that. He wants us to not sin. And so he will allow us to deal with the consequences of our actions. But the big takeaway that I want to encourage you with is that God's heart towards his people is unchanging. Even after all that they have put him through, God still desires a close relationship with his people. He still yearns for reconciliation. So God has a plan for his people, for you and for me, in spite of us, as long as we continue to come back to him, to seek him with all of our heart. So yeah, this verse doesn't necessarily mean that God has a direct plan to prosper you in your life financially with health and with you know, spiritual maturity and wisdom in the way that we typically think of this verse. But it does teach us about God's heart. It does teach us about how desperately God wants relationship and that he is willing to bear with our failing. He is willing to bear with our shortcomings in order to have that relationship. And that is something we should take great comfort in. That's it for today. Don't forget to take advantage of this week's free resource by clicking the link in the show notes and be sure to share this episode with your ministry leader, a person in your small group, or just a friend from church. Thanks for listening to today's episode and I'll talk to you soon.